Hello and welcome to Politically Enraged, a podcast made for the lefties amongst us. Politically Enraged is a podcast about politics, both British and further afield, and a place to talk about society and how it needs to be improved for everyone. You can find us on Twitter at Political Rages, Instagram at Politically Enraged, you can sponsor the show on Kofi, or you can follow my personal socials. I'm Davey Moo, across all social media, and I'm here to talk to real people about real problems and work out how we move forward. Enjoy. Welcome to Politically Enraged, the podcast that's normally designed for the lefties amongst us to have a nice casual chat about the goings on. But today it's more politically bemused because I've just finished listening to Nadine Dorries having a madden on LBC. And joining me today is one of my really close friends, Ed Thompson, who you may know from Ed Thompson and Other Disappointments, his own podcast or his blog, Funk27, or he's that mad one that always does all of the really funny skits on the internet that you see. Ed, welcome. Hey there. How's it going? Thank you very much for that intro. How are you doing, David? Yes, I'm okay. I'm still trying to mentally recover from hearing Nadine Dorries say Boris Johnson 137 times in five minutes on the radio. Yeah, isn't she like, so I'm I'm not completely across this because I've been looking after the kids and stuff, but uh, isn't she campaigning to go back to like general election? Well, that was what the interview was to elucidate us on. And her response was, um, I didn't I didn't say that we should call a general election. I said that we should put it to the people. And it's like, Isn't what, that the, how, that's, that's the, the same the, thing, Nadine. It, it's, like, it's like, I'm not saying that I killed the dog. I'm just saying that I put a knife into its heart. Like, it's just fucking, honestly, the woman isn't even in this galaxy, never mind on the planet. I feel like she's one of these people who, like, to begin with, it's like, oh, you're so infuriatingly stupid. But then it gets to a point, it's like, is she actually to blame? Like, is it fair to blame her or is is there something else going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, does someone need to look after her? I think Nadine Dorries has a very, very important role coming up in the future. Not a job, um, as of the face of um, fetal alcohol syndrome, because something is, <laughs> is just like, something is like going on with that woman that just cannot be explained by traditional means and not i wish that you'd heard it because she literally just every every second sentence was like removing bonnet johnson and it was like okay i would say he's not going to shag you but one suspects the reason that you're like this is that he has it was like the glenn close of radio interviews yeah she's like the two two big things about her obviously first that she's a loving endless devotee of boris johnson uh the second thing is that she's always pretty hostile in interviews which i always thought was a weird sort of kink to have if you're like culture secretary which is what she was it's like you must have to deal with the media every fucking day so isn't it exhausting like don't you have like isn't there a part of you that's like why am i being so mean and so hostile to these journalists like 24 7. Like I, I cast my mind back to that. Was it um, Channel Four News or was it the BBC when they asked her a question and she just froze and just went, "Why are you asking me that?" Like, I, I literally, yes. I have that clip on my phone and sometimes I watch it just to laugh. It's the way, it's the yeah. pause as well. Like, um, Nadine, why do you think this? Why, why are you asking me that question? Yeah. Because he's a fucking journalist, you absolute nobel. Because that's his fucking job. Like the, the, this, like two or three seconds of pause in between when the journalist stops asking the question 
and she says, why are you asking me that? Those like three seconds are like, um, have you seen that scene in Wayne's World where like, what I think Wayne is like walked off set and then Garth, have you ever seen Wayne's World? Oh God. Yeah, of course I have. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry. I thought I'd lost you there for a sec. Um, there's a scene like where I think Wayne walks off set and then it's just Garth on set but he's like freaking out that he's on set and just like staring at the camera going like like the other dude goes like have you ever have you ever seen that scene in scanners where the dude's head blew up and then like it's it pans back to his face he's like like uncanny nadine it's like you know lights on nobody's home she's just she's honestly just bizarre and what she was saying is we've just said it makes no sense whatsoever oh we need a mandate to get a mandate, you need to ask people their opinion. And the only way to ask their opinion in politics isn't to send a fucking survey around the house, you mad cow. It's to fucking have a general election. Like, yeah. there is, I, I'm not saying we need a general election. I'm just saying that we need some kind of election that's, that's kind of general. Like, fucking hell, Nadine. What What are you saying? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also interesting, isn't it? Because they, you know, at the moment, it would appear that she is in favor of letting the people have a say in this most drastic of movements, right? That but was the she... other thing though in this interview, because she was like, I'm not, I, we shouldn't call an election now because the polls indicate that we would lose. And I'm like, which is what the people currently want, Nadine. Yeah. So, so do you want the people to have you're a almost there, Nadine. <laughs> You're almost there, you've always connected the dots. Yeah. But like I was going to say, so, but she wasn't so in favor of you know, taking the decisions back to the people when we were talking about people's vote, uh, about second referendum, uh, about crashing out with no deal. Um, you know, then it was a case of like, no, you know, we were elected to deliver Brexit and whatever that means, <laughs> then that's what Brexit, what, what does Brexit mean, Nadine? Just whatever we say it means this week. That's fine. Yes, of course we have a mandate. Well, it's um, it, even something more recent. If you look at the Channel 4 stuff, mm. Oh, I've got this big mandate to privatize Channel 4. Nadine, you like literally have the figures the wrong way around. 92% of people do not want you to privatize Channel 4, not to do. Like, mm. if you don't understand the difference between please do this and please don't do this, then not only do I not want you in government, I don't even want you working in my local fucking sandwich shop because there's a very strong chance that you might kill me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but this is the thing, like, this is such a good example of where they deal with uh, symbolism over substance. So you and I will sit here and talk about, let's say, the, the privatization of Channel 4. And we will say, nobody wants this. The figures don't add up. Um, can you show us a business case where this actually makes any sense? We're asking her for stats and substance. And what she's dealing with is the symbolism of this sort of, you know, the big 2019 election win and flags and poppies and the culture war. And because we've got this big majority, we think that means that everyone else supports us in doing whatever the fuck we want. I think that's the whole thing that they just fail to grasp is how different of a world we're in now than we were in 2019. We've been mm. through a pandemic where we've seen hundreds of thousands of our countrymen and women die. We've gone through Brexit and we've seen what a disaster it is. You know, a lot of us were saying it would be all along, but there was nothing to do. It was a democratic vote, which was debatable now, according to some things that we've been told. But nevertheless, we went ahead with it. It's been a disaster, not just because we had absolute 
cakeheads in charge of debating it, but because it was always going to be. Mm. We're in a different place now, and there's no point in going, oh, we had a massive mandate in 2019. It is 2022, you mad sods. Listen to the people that you so claim to stand for. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, a really important point to nail home, isn't it? It's like the problems that we were facing in 2017, 2018, that, that they were seeking to solve in some sort of superficial way in the 2019 election, uh, however simplistic and, and symbolism led that may have been, uh, get Brexit done. Like that appeared, at least on the face of it, to solve some of those problems. And now, as you've much more eloquently sort of pointed out, We've had like we've had the chaos of Brexit. We've got all the complications of of COVID and the hundreds of thousands of deaths. We've got Putin, Ukraine to worry about. You know, we need wh whoever's going to win. Like even if it's not a Labour majority, if it's a you know a, a tactical vote or a, a hung parliament, or even if it was a a Tory majority, they need a fresh mandate from the people at this stage to say, "Yep, cool, we understand what we're going to do about X, Y, Z," and this is. Now the country supports us. I'd, I'd be on on board. I mean, I'd begrudgingly accept it if they went back to the market, as it were, and said, these are our, our ideas. Do you support them? And then it was a Tory majority. Like, I'd be disappointed, but I would at least have some respect that they were following the right trajectory at that stage. I think where they're at now, you know, with Truss and Kwartang rolling out these parodic, radical ideas and, and, and again, like evading... <laughs> evading the substance of it like every every fucking tory comes out in hives and starts convulsing like the kid in the fucking omen <laughs> like when it gets near a church that's every tory when you show them any like facts and stats and figures this is the point they, like one of the things that confuses me broadly about the right versus the left all of the rhetoric around it is that we are always put across as the people who go with feelings over facts when it is yeah. demonstrably not the case like I, you know, like, because we talk all day, every day, I spend so much time with my head buried in, like, the, the milieu of the news articles that I read, or, like, statistics, or facts, or, like, well-observed documentation to do with what I talk about, because I'm trying to learn, because what's the point in talking about it if you don't? These people constantly tell us that we are led by our feelings, and it's like, I have formed my feelings around a core of fact. Mm. So where's your evidence for this? Because they'll, you know, Suella Braverman, oh, I, I want to depart a lot of people to Rwanda because they're dangerous criminals. How do you know they're dangerous criminals? Because they're coming here illegally. They've, they're coming to an island, you fucking Fruit Loop. It's not like they can just fucking apparate, you daft bin. Like, they get here through dangerous means because we are an island. We are yeah. not attached to Europe. So unless they can fucking, like, magically step across fucking miles of ocean of course they're getting here through dangerous ways yeah yeah and and like something that you you said a minute ago about uh the left having this sort of reputation of being led by feelings over facts like now that's completely switched around like as you say like it's they they're buried in symbolism and uh riling people up and you brought up suella braveman there like she gave a speech i think earlier today as home secretary uh where she was talking about how like mps within the conservative party had staged a coup over over liz truss and and kwesi kwata and i was like ah this isn't like staging a coup is like overthrowing 
a democratically elected government, say, uh, uh, circumventing the the democratic process. This is not that. This is like they had a shitty idea, and a group of MPs went, "Well, hang on a second, like we're we're not going to sign up to this." And then so the the support for it collapsed, and they were forced to withdraw it or face a humiliating defeat in the Houses of Parliament. Like that's what happened. Nobody staged a coup, but it's this this um this sort of marketing approach that they have now where everything is about riling up fear about immigrants in boats about poppies culture war stuff um yeah it's bizarre it's like it's completely switched full circle and i I remember doing a TikTok a few months ago where i said you know my i'm not aligned to a particular party i'm not embedded in labor or lib dems or greens or anything like where i go is towards the logic and right now it feels to me like the left have the logic like we should it seems economically sensible for me that we should join or rejoin the single market like that's how we would get growth but on the right and in the general sort of journo political sphere that is seen as uh as lunacy it's it's bizarre it's like i think the whole the whole thing around it if you if you look at the kind of the broad situation that's happening this isn't a coup. This is the result of promoting the office cat to fucking like MD and suddenly realizing <laughs> that, oh shit, they're definitely not qualified for this job. It's it's yeah. not a coup because none of us vote. More people have signed the petition to have a general fucking election than voted for Liz Truss to become prime minister. It's it, the, the way that they're going about it is just mad. And the problem that you get with people like Suella Braverman is that they do rely on that knee jerk rhetoric. There's no, like, there's a smattering of like fact in there some some dangerous criminals come here from abroad Mm. yeah they can do that legally too you know also there there are already criminals here and then she she was talking about um i want to cut benefits because there's there's people in this country that that could be out and working and they're not and then there's people that top up their earnings using benefits it's disgraceful yeah do you know what's disgraceful that we live in a country where people who earn who work and earn wages, can't fucking afford to live and have to top it up using government incentives because the government isn't taking care of the actual nub of the problem, which for much longer than Quasi Quarteng's fucking lackluster mini budget that's completely decimated everything, is the government's lack of ability to control the markets and inflation. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's an important message to sort of get out there and fortunately is landing now, uh, is that this idea of people just lounging around on benefits scrounging the whole time look i'm sure that there are people out there like that who have just never had a job and just can't like for for one reason or another maybe they weren't raised in a certain way to have a work ethic or maybe their parents were exactly the same and it's just a cyclical problem i'm positive these people do exist somewhere but for most people out there on universal credit I, i feel like the messaging is now landing that actually a huge chunk of them have jobs and are struggling and therefore have to sign up to this sort of, you know, work support benefit, if you like. And yeah, what, what you touched on there is actually, it's a sort of responsibility or, or irresponsibility of the companies who are making, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pounds in profit, like throwing it all at shareholders. And then the people at the bottom of the chain are like, I, I can't afford to fucking eat. Or I can't afford my heating bill. And then they have to go cap in hand to UC and then the next week, you've got someone like Suella Braveman going like, oh, too many people are on benefit. Like, yeah, because fucking, because your mates who you go playing golf with aren't fucking paying them. 
The funniest thing about it is as well, though, people that whinge about people that top up their earnings with universal mm. credit. Where do you think the money goes? Do you think it goes into offshore banks in the Cayman Islands? Or do you think it goes back into the fucking economy because these people spend it on stuff that they fucking need, which, by the way, stimulates the economy. And it's like, I do know that those people exist because the the woman that lived opposite my mum and dad for years and years and years was one of these like famous benefit scroungers. And my parents absolutely fucking loved the woman. And I understood, you know, like she'd sit there and she'd get a fucking ASOS delivery and she'd sit in the living room smoking. You could hear her shouting at her kids. Yeah, I didn't like her. Mm. And my mom had at her someone who just subsists off of a system that's been set up by the Tories and maintained by the Tories. Or am I more angry at, as you just said, these billionaire CEOs who fucking buy an island and go and chill there and then they're like mm, fire the lowest performing five percent of stuff yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as mad at that because that guy's like the the tax that guy writes off is probably like 10 times what that woman claims in uc i don't give a shit about her because there's always gonna be yeah. people that do that kind of thing and it's it's an important and i think sort of quite grown-up thing to accept that just because there are some people who abuse the system doesn't give you fucking license to then go slashing like support structures for other people who are actually in need. You know, I, I feel quite confident that, so let's say I pay X amount of tax every month. I have to, as an adult, accept that some of that money is going to be wasted. It's going to go into this initiative. It's going to fund that youth center that won't use the money properly and it'll end up being shut down or there'll be crime being drugs being dealt out of there and then it'll be forced to close it like i accept that someone somewhere will either take some of that money abuse the systems that it funds or, or whatever but for the most part it's a net positive that the money i pay in and that you pay in and that all of our friends and family or whatever pay in goes towards creating this safety net and other support structures that allow people to to maintain some semblance of fucking dignity. Like I'm totally at peace with that. And if this guy down the road sits on his ass his whole life watching TV and you know ordering assos or whatever, fine. Like I'm I'm not interested in how he lives his life. He can live his life however he likes. Uh, I'm not. I'd rather that that money went to a good cause. But I, as a grown up, you got to accept that no system is perfect, and this is just it's that's kind of as good as we can get it i think you need to look at like say i make a charitable donation i'm gonna be like i gave you know like oh god who was it i gave like 30 quid to uh the trussell trust recently mm. and in my mind i'm like i've just bought 30 pounds of trussell trust food but how the fuck do i know that that money in some way is not going to go to a homophobic ceo or whatever i, just, I don't know you are Every time you put money anywhere or do anything, you are spinning a bet of hopefully this will land where I want it to, but it might not. And you just need to accept that because that's how it works. It's even the same. I bought myself a new iPhone with the money from selling my car. Mm. Like for all I know, it could have turned up broken. Like just because you do something doesn't mean you're going to have the end net result that you want. It's the same thing with... Um, I've been taking the piss out of uh, Isabella Oakshot tonight because she's been on Twitter going, oh, blah, 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 this ridiculous problem with the EU. We didn't vote Brexit for this. And I'm just like, you didn't vote Brexit for anything because you didn't know what you wanted. That like, yeah. <laughs> What you voted for was a bunch of slogans. Like, I don't remember a single promise that was given during the referendum that's been met. 
No, I mean, this is the problem with with referenda. I've been educated that that is supposedly the plural, so I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they referenda famously take complex problems, uh, complex questions that need to be answered, and they break it down into a simplistic like yes or no question that most people, if we're really brutally honest, <laughs> most people are not equipped, I don't think. And even if they are like, if they've been given the information to make that decision, I honestly, like the last six years of observing politics have convinced me that like, even when you present people with the information, I don't know what percentage of those people actually have the cognitive ability and critical thought to really reason with it and come out with a sensible conclusion. I think for most people out there, it is just slogans and slick marketing. So yeah, I don't know. I'm against referenda. I, I, I've said it before about the referendum. I just don't think it ever should have been sent out to the people because that exactly what you just said, you were condensing down the markets and like, um, open borders and like all kinds of money exchanges. And one of someone that I knew in 2016 was here, um, on a visa, uh, well, was from the EU, so he wasn't on a visa, but if he's here still now, cause I don't know him, he will be on a visa or a settled status. Um, but he was here doing pioneering cancer research and I mentioned Brexit to him and he was like, oh, well, I'll have to go back to Greece. Yeah. Because that, that funding's just gone now. Like once, once you're out of the EU, that funding's gone. So I've got to go back and I'm like, pioneering cancer research that would help people with cancer and we were like no thank you we prefer xenophobia (laughs) yeah like i mean i i want to be really sort of open and honest that if if there had been let's say a five to ten year plan for brexit like i wouldn't have voted brexit myself but if it had been like again a grown-up approach to it like look we helped build this fucking trading block we had a seat at the table we're so heavily integrated with it that it is just not realistic for us to step away in like a year or two and anyone that tells you that we can do that is is being a you know sort of salacious tabloid frenzy feeding cretin basically um so here's our plan it's 10 years long it will get you to the the end result uh, but it's going to take some time just be patient and 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 specifically into the like the sort of industries that you're talking about there um if a lot of our nurses doctors specialists scientists technologists if all of them have come from europe it's going to take some time for us to focus on the domestic market and this was a big thing with brexit and i, I think there's some credence to it which is um if you have this influx of quote unquote cheap labor from the continent it inspires CEOs and recruitment functions to just take the easy European labor uh, rather than training and developing and paying the Brits, right? So there's, and that breeds xenophobia. So you have to solve that problem. So if they had said over the space of five to 10 years in each of these sectors, here's our plans for upskilling the domestic population uh, and anything that we can't do, we will provide visas to the EU. I would have said, fine, okay. I'm not, I, I didn't want it. I'm, I'm not pro Brexit, but I can see you put some thought into it and actually, okay, that makes sense. It was the total lack of logic or like acknowledging that there were any challenges around this. It was just like, did you, did you listen to that LBC interview with Nigel Farage? Actually, he wasn't being interviewed. It was his show and a caller phoned up and I think she was a vet 
and uh, she was saying to him, like all of uh, all of our vets and vet staff, and it, like they all come from Europe. What are we going to do about you know? And she gave detailed examples, and his response was just like, "Well, I mean, if we if we need uh, more." Uh, vets uh then uh, i just well i suppose we'll just find more vets like it was so just vacuous and devoid of understanding or facts or and it you know comes back to this thing that we were saying earlier about you know facts stats substance that's exactly what i was going to say and this is why brexit was as successful as it was because it boiled down to you not believing in britain hard enough and it's the ramona's fault and that's what always makes me laugh about these things it's always it's it's this shrinking fear of fact you know I, i've told you about my, my career for 12 years now is it 12 years yeah 12 years was working in medical recruitment specializing in doctors specifically at one point i was recruiting local consultants and specialty doctors and dentists for the nhs the vast majority of the people that i recruited were on visas or they were from the european union and that's not because they were better doctors it's not because they were more skilled doctors because they were cheaper doctors because they were the doctors that we had mm. because there are more of them there are 27 countries worth of doctors and we mm. turned around and went no we're going to make this more difficult for you because of um we're, we're afraid that you're stealing uh, janine from doncaster's chance to be um an upper upper respiratory neurosurgeon <laughs> and secret nurse it's like it just none of it makes sense i think it, like everything that we've talked about so far it's probably underscored by that quote from was it michael gove who said um yeah we're we're sick of experts it's like yeah clearly because we've elected a bunch of sentient weasels to our fucking front bench yeah yeah and it you know what it spills down from government down into the journal political sphere and and blogging and even like TikTokers who sit on the right where uh so I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who's done like media commentary work and uh and I was saying to her that I was like like doesn't it fuck you off that like you can because I know she's a hound for detail right she preps like fuck like you do like tan does and uh, like I do some prep, but I'm not I'm not as sort of, you know, rabid and salivating for, for detail as perhaps I should be. And I said, like, you know, we all put in put in a bit of effort and it, I can imagine you like, you know, staying awake at night before, like really getting into the detail, making sure that you're on top of it, that you're across it, that you know what you're talking about. You've got examples, case studies, facts, stats, etc. And then you go on one of these panels and you say this stuff and the person on the right will respond with this sort of Brexity, dismissive, like, oh, poppycock, oh, rubbish. Like, what? oh, oh, oh absolute rubbish. Balderdash, dear boy. Like, it's, there's a real, like, Faragean, Boris Johnsonian, like, you know, it's it starts at that level and it comes right down to the bottom. It's like a sort of pub, pub bore kind of level of debate, right? I've said it, it's like um, I actually wrote it in my blog this week and it's it's Trumpian in a way because there's this there's this it's like oh, what's the phrase that I made up about it oh you can't you can't shame a man who is immune to shame mm. it's just don't keep doubling down and they can't win 
Just keep, just keep saying it. it. Even my favorite example was recently actually Femi was on uh, the Jeremy Vine show with a mm. guy. I can't remember what his name is. The odious prick. He's always on this show with Jeremy Vine. I don't know why. Um, and he was like, "Well, you know, these these lazy these lazy home workers. It's disgusting. People need to just get back to work." And Femi was like, "You've benefited from working from home." He's like, "I have not." And the the studio must have known that he was going to say that because they instantly pulled up a video of him working from home for the Jeremy Vine show during the pandemic. And it's like, mm. oh my God, like if that was me, I would be like, oh, fuck. I mean, I would never do that because I try and be as honest as I can. But uh, like, if it was me, I would literally be like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. And he was like, well, no, it's no, because it's nonsense. It's no, people should not work from home. And it's like, you literally did. Like, yeah. And but that's the problem. From, they They come from a different sort of, I mean, I don't know who this gentleman was that you were that you were talking about what his name is, but that type of personality I've encountered before. And it's my my perception of them is that they come from a completely different class of people where they you can you can confront them with that sort of thing. Uh, but in as far as like their mental capacity to understand that they might be in the wrong or that they shouldn't be there saying that stuff. I think that's completely left the building for them. I think as far as they're concerned, they're like, yes, my name is John Smith and I belong behind this chair and I will say these things and those things, the other things. And then if someone pushes back on any of these things, uh, well, I'll just shrug. I'll say, you know, poppycock and balderdash and then we'll carry on and I'll just go back to my office at the Telegraph or, you know, then I'll get a cushy board roll. Like there's no, there's no consequence in their mind. Which is why I, I feel reasonably comfortable calling them. I mean, I know you shouldn't throw these these sorts of words around, but when I call them when I call them sociopaths, I'm like they have no sense of risk. They play foolhardily with everything from their own personal finances. A lot of them live financially chaotically, uh, right up to the economy <laughs> they're supposed to be in charge with. Um, uh, they uh, they appear callous. They don't really have any empathy. Um, there's no shame. There's like, they tick every fucking box on this sort of, you know, mental diagnosis thing that I'm running through. And my hugely unqualified medical uh, standing. I mean, it needs to be done though, because it, it just, it continues to absolutely confound me when I speak to these, these people, you know, occasionally in my comments and I never understand what their problem is. Like if I've made a video that I've made a video tonight that is like, I call Brexiteers pricks. And if I get mm. comments from Brexiteers being like, you're a fucking dickhead, I'm like, okay, because I've said something nasty. But when I make a video or I write a blog or I do a tweet or something that's just like, factually, what this person said is disgusting and they shouldn't have said this because it's incorrect. Here is a link to a study that shows that this is incorrect or here's a link to an article that disproves it or whatever it is. And but then they're then like, what happens? do you get blocked? You, you fucking lefty remoners. And I'm like... <laughs> What point are you trying to make? Like, I don't, you aren't, lefty. you aren't winning. You aren't, yeah, I am, lefty. I am a lefty. Like, it's, lefty it's, Ramona with your, with your woke numbers. <laughs> it's it, honestly, I just, I cannot wrap my brain around what it must be like. But I think the thing too, that I'm trying to get myself to bear in mind is that there are a lot of different types of people in the world. And, and these people in particular just run on a different operating system than me and mm. never the twain shall meet, do you know what I mean? But there has to come a point where 
this division that's been worsened by the pandemic and by Brexit and by this like ridiculous political situation that we're in, it's never going to go away. But there has to be some kind of cohesion between us all at some point because there was one point, and there still is to be fair, but it's it shifted a little bit now because that many people are pissed off with the government. There was a point where I was afeared that there could potentially be something akin to a civil war in the UK because we were just so at each other. Yeah, no, I remember saying uh, probably a couple of years ago now, like it, it felt like we had reached such a fever pitch, like a tab tabloid frenzy with, you know, enemies of the people and uh, uh, this policy was uh, sabotaged and like all of this hard language being thrown around. And I was like, you know, a lot of a lot of these politicians will say this shit and then behind closed doors, they go for a pint together. And it's all just, a, you know, sort of theatrics. But I I ha would not have put it past some idiot uh, to just pack a van full of explosives and take it a bit too far. Like, we, I mean, we saw the thing with um, the guy that stabbed the Labour MP, Joe, what was her name? Joe Cox. She was my Joe local Cox. MP. Yeah. And so that guy... I don't know what his uh, medical history was like. I gather it was quite uh, complicated, but you know, he, he obviously believed that somebody was taking away his freedom. And so he ran into that uh, MP surgery shouting Britain first or, or something along those lines and took her life. And it's, I remember thinking at that point, like this is, this is shocking, but at the same time, it's not that shocking. Like I, I could see something like that happening and, you know, touch wood and thank God, nothing involving a van packed full of explosives ever ever did kick off but it like if you had asked me in 2012 do you think that could ever happen in the uk i would have been like fucking no and you know by 2018 2019 i was like i i would not totally rule that out it's that's what's been really scary is we've just seen this increase in i used the word radicalization the other day and our, our mutual friend maria was like it's not radicalization it's a completely different thing which I agree with, but there's not the verbiage for it. And I think that's a problem as well. We haven't caught up to where we are in the world right now. It's one of the things that, like I've said, you know, I've, I've been really open about the fact that I sit further left than a lot of our mutual mates and everything. But what annoys me about where I am is that I'm not quite lined up with the people whose politics I do quite agree with because they're still quoting all these fucking white men who lived 100 years ago and were quite affluent in completely different countries without the internet and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't care. I care about what Karl Marx said about socialism and I don't care about all of these other people and their fucking ridiculous ideas because that was in a different time and in a different world, which was like pre all of this stuff that's happened. Stop quoting this shit at me. But it's also, it's the same with like people like Boris Johnson because he'll fucking stand there and quote Othello in ancient Greek and everyone's like, oh, genius. And I'm like, so what? I could recite a pop song for you in perfect Greek so well that Greek people listening to this right now would be like, holy shit, I didn't know he was English Greek. Like, yeah it's it's a skill that i've learned it's not like there's no substance to it and i i suppose if we are saying we need a general election now to solve the problems that we're now facing because the problems from like two or three years ago are kind of neg negligible uh if you take that logic and run with it you have to say look the, the things that these gentlemen were saying 100 150 200 years 500 years ago it's look i'm sure they were great guys and i'm sure those things made sense at that time but what we need now is somebody to step up and provide solutions and beautifully worded <laughs> poetry and philosophy that applies to the world as it is today exactly yeah i think where we're at at the minute we're 
I think we were headed towards a like a precipice that I was very afraid of. And I'm still not saying that we're away from it, but I'm saying that it seems to have changed because for a very long time, all of these people were aligned behind Boris Johnson and were like ready to go to the wall for him. Whereas I think now those people are quite directionless. Some of them will still lash out and be like, no, I'm still, I still support conservatives. But I think a lot of people are just stood there quietly being like, I'm not openly associating with these people because they're shit. Yeah. I think, I mean, first, like when you're talking about a huge chunk of the population being reasonably conservative, like not full blown Tory, but reasonably conservative. Uh, I think when it starts to impact their pocket, and their living standards and the prospect of their children owning a home or the, or indeed more terrifyingly, the prospect of their children having to sell their own home in negative equity and then move back into the family home. When, when this individual was actually looking forward to selling up and then fucking off to Greece or Spain in their retirement. Uh, I think when it's really like when the consequences of 12 years of conservatism come knocking at their door, then finally they're like, actually do you know what i think i might be done with this and to some extent it's the same with with parliamentarians like it's they were fine with with johnson when he was winning then when he started getting in trouble with patterson and partygate they slowly began turning on him and it took felt like it took ages to get him out the door but eventually that did happen uh now trust has overseen a dramatic <laughs> like there's no trust bounce like it's she's just gone from like a terrible rating to like what is it now how many points ahead of Labour? Oh God, it was 25 because I think it's gone up even more today. Yeah, I thought it was a 32 point lead two days ago, but it may have changed or gone down or, or something. I think it's 32 point lead now, but it was 25 uh, like yesterday when I checked it was 25. So Right. So fairly, I mean, a fairly stonking lead. Uh, and so now, yeah, like her own MPs, you, you, immediately you're getting talk of like mutiny and coups, staged coups. Uh, so yeah i mean i actually hope this is going to sound slightly um perhaps self-defeatist a bit weird but i sort of hope that labor don't win a stonking majority i hope that they have to get into bed with like the lib dems and greens and snp would be great to have that sort of i just feel like they're more likely like if like here's the thing if labor win a massive majority it will be like if you get together with somebody and their last partner was a real like charmless sack of shit, right? <laughs> Financially chaotic, just, you know, s slapped them around, uh, spent the rent money on a boozy weekend in Blackpool, like got into all like a real sack of shit, a, a proper deadbeat. That's the X. And then you come in and then you don't actually have to be that great <laughs> a, a partner because the last person like you just have to be better than that you just got to not spend the rent money on the boozy weekend in blackpool and you're fucking golden boy the bar it's, is on the floor this is yeah this like, is the thing if, sorry go on oh no i was just gonna say so if like if labor come in with a like you know a hung hung parliament some sort of electoral pact tactical voting i think we're more likely to see them affect change in the realm of things like proportional representation now you this go is, this is the thing that concerns me in a realistic way that there are a lot of people who for them the end goal is get labor in and we'll have a labor government and for me getting a labor government in is the start like getting a new government in is the very beginning it's the first shuffling step towards where i want to be 
because I want a revolution without blood. I, I want like a complete change to our voting system. I want a fundamental reforms to the way that our media works and is allowed to operate and who gets to fund it. I want to look at the very, very basis of how we operate with international players. I want like so many different reforms, including very, very basic changes to how prison works because prison is seen as a punishment. And I think that people that can be rehabilitated should be rehabilitated, but I don't believe in full prison abolishment for various reasons. Sure. All of these things are very important to me. And if we get a government in that are just like, yeah, but we're not those guys. I'm going to be like, yeah, "Yeah, but I still need you to do stuff guys. Like, and I'm not saying that that's how labor come across because they don't at the moment. They do seem to be going, we're going to do stuff. But at the same time, the way that I keep saying it, and I'm, I'm trying hard not to actually put it in this phraseology because I don't want to get arrested, but like um, make politicians afraid because they yeah. should be scared of us. They should be like, we need to do what they want or else. But if the last 12 years haven't been an apt demonstration of the fact that half of the British public are like, they've made it illegal to breathe, so I'm just going to hold my breath and go and get me post. And I'm just like, fight for your rights you fucking fannies or even worse the people who like people like me and you like you saw my blogs and the fact that i was going to these protests i was screaming about the um police crime courts and sentencing bill because i knew what it meant and there were people that were like yeah ban protests we don't want them silly lefties on the streets and i'm like oh my god this is a right that you have that's being taken away and you are like yes take my rights away you freaks like it was yeah. so weird but and i suppose that kind of goes back to the press regulation stuff doesn't it because it's mm. the way that these things are being characterized and misrepresented uh marketed is probably a, a better word uh so they will say to let's say the older generations the male readers the express buyers they'll say to them this bill is essential because people like Extinction Rebellion, because the bloody crusties are shutting down the M4 and they hate trade and they hate, you know, we're trying to get ahead in this country with Brexit and they're just blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, your uncle or your granddad reads it and goes like, yeah, okay, well, that sounds fine. F fuck my protest, right? When am I going to go protesting? And, it, you know, and it, it goes across the floor with their 80 seat majority and it's, it feels like a win against yeah like lefties crusties troublemakers um but i think if you if you actually had some meaningful press regulation which is more likely with the labor government but still not guaranteed i don't know i've i've just got this horrible feeling that if they did say we're going to overhaul press regulation completely obviously the papers would fucking maul them and like what would that do to their standing i, I don't know i think that one of the things the way that I say it, right, because some of the people on Twitter and on social media, and I've met them in real life as well, do my head in. Like, like I'm not joking. There's some people out there, Keir Starmer could rescue a puppy from the road and they would be like, fucking, he's disgusted. I can't believe he I'm disgusted that he's done that. And I'm like, <laughs> rescued a puppy. About, They're like, exactly. What about cats, though, Keith? Yeah. What about it's cats? never believe in cats. It's yeah. very telling that um, he didn't go to Battersea Dog's home afterwards. I'm just like, fuck off, like genuinely. But the problem is there's some people that stop there and they're just like, that, like those people do my head in. Absolutely. Mm. Pointless, pointless having a discussion with them. There's no point because nothing that anyone does except for the people that they're like is good enough. I can't stand that. But there are also people 
who like I, I will raise founded concerns about certain things that Labour do. Like when when Labour were like, yeah, basically we're never going to look at re reversing Brexit. We're not going back into the single market. We're not going to the customs union, blah, blah, blah. We're going to make Brexit work. And all I did was tweet, Labour, Brexit won't work because Brexit can't work. And oh my God, you would have thought that like I had posted a video of myself like burning a Kia Starmer like doll yeah. or something. Oh, you're Tory name, blah, 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 Hundreds and hundreds of messages. And I was like, look at who I am, right? I am not a, I am not a Labour voter. I have just stood with them because they have traditionally shared a lot of beliefs that I have. I'm not going to back them thoughtlessly if they're not offering stuff I want. I'm going to back them now because they are pragmatically the best option we have in a very fucked up system in FPTP and all of that. But I'm not going to do it without voicing my issues. But even the problem is that's still not a good enough outcome for some people because they'll be like, no, you just need to stop rocking the boat. And then there's the other people who are like, oh, so you'll lend your vote to the shit people. Well, you're just And I'm like, I literally can't win with you people. And that's why a lot of the stuff that I do at the moment is like, this is just my opinion. You don't have to listen to me. I'm not going to tell you that you have to vote for anyone. You guys just need to grow the fuck up and talk to each other. And the people at the furthest ends of the spectrum just need to be put in some sort of facility far away from me. <laughs> some institution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose like the, the, um, uh, the cliche used to be that you would have, uh, so on the left and the right, you would have the, the sort of hardcore subset of the left and the right who were completely immovable. They're never going to change their vote. They're always going to be labor from birth to death. That's it. Labor done. Then equally on the right, you're going to get people who are always conservative. You're never going to convince this guy here with his trust fund and his castle and, you know, probably a, a few social classes down from that as well. You're never going to convince them to vote Labour. They're just not going to do it. And then you've got this sort of middle ground of people where it is actually feasible that you could persuade them and market certain things. So it's that middle ground that sort of moves around. And sometimes it's slightly bigger and you get a, a chunky majority with somebody and sometimes it's a bit more modest and you get hung parliaments but that is where they print the leaflets for and the billboards and they do all these interviews and marketing and, and and the rest of it but now it's changed a little bit and it's sort of it it exists also within the parties and within like the left or the right so as you've said a second ago you now have this sort of far left uh subset within labor where nothing is ever socialist enough nothing is ever um yeah sort of corbyn and uh, i don't know like marxist or momentum enough or owen jonesy enough um and then you've got the people who are sort of nearer the center left where nothing is actually pragmatic enough or everything's a bit too dreamy over that side and it's trying like you're never going to convince the people on the edges of these things and as you've said some of them actually need to be certified. Some of them just need to close the laptop and just give themselves a fucking week off, take a breather and then come back. But you can convince some of them who are, who are in there. Some of them you can engage with and, and have a fairly sensible discussion. I think, I think I've got a few people that follow me that sit sort of on the far left still, um, that haven't riled up at me, but, but yeah, for, for the most part, it's like that, that same cliche that same sort of dynamic that used to exist in the the polar opposites of left and right generally now that has sort of funneled or bled down into the actual parties it's uh it's interesting it's the thing for me is 
I try and approach it in a different way than a lot of people because I'm not, I'm, I have no end product to sell. I'm not trying to sell a product. I'm just me. And I got really obsessed with learning about this stuff. And at first I was absolutely doing what other, I, re, I absolutely flatly refused to call myself an influencer because it makes my skin crawl. Um, I, I was doing the same thing and I was like, oh yeah, but, 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 and then that's, I actually thought, well, fuck it. What if the people that have the, that keep telling me they've got these legitimate concerns, what if they're right? And I listened and some of them do. Yeah. You can't, you can't have an MP like Rosie Duffield sat there being a transphobic cretin and like getting away with it and not expect and trans people to just be like, yeah, well, I'm still going to vote for them because you know, maybe they won't be as mm. horrible to me as the Tories or root her hook like what she i honestly like as a as a white as fuck man i hit the fucking roof when i heard what she said i was like i'm sorry did you just disenfranchise a black person from being black because you personally don't like the way that they act like how fucking dumb are you Mm. it's like there are founded reasons but there also has to be an element of pragmatism because it's like as much as i have these laffy daffy beliefs that you know the world could be so amazing if people would just be kind that's not the world that we live in. So I approach it from an element of how far can we get towards that? Like that's my, that's, that's my only end goal. And it's not a selling point. I'm just here to observe and tell people what I think and how I feel. And if people don't agree, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm it's not a good here thing, to convince. Like, I, I think it's a good thing about labor. I, I haven't had much interaction with Lib Dems on this it could also be a good thing about Lib Dems and and any other party but it feels to me like a good thing about Labour is that it does have like it's it well it's a con as well as a pro right uh that it does have these factions so the 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 saying is that it's a broad church uh and it is and sometimes that causes problems and one one faction will you know rise up and rupture and make a big song and dance and then everyone talks about you know splits within Labour and so on and and you know infamously at times it really causes problems when when you have you know blairites and corbynistas literally you know fighting amongst each other and um but it's also a good thing it's also an incredibly exciting inclusive aspect of labor is that you know they they could get in with a sizable majority and you could have policy ideas that you're really excited about and there will be other people within that party who are also really excited about it and you might not get that policy across the table and signed off but you will find other people in there who are also excited about it and there's a chance with a route in with that channel in to power finally that you might actually be listened to and you'll stand some chance of at least standing there in a poorly decorated hall somewhere (laughs) giving a presentation, communicating your concern and your idea for a solution to someone that's actually going to fucking listen and put it across, you know, Rainer's desk or something. Um, but at the moment, you know, with with the Tories as they are, it doesn't feel like that sort of thing is within reach or realistic at all. I just find it all really weird. Like when, because when you zoom out and you, there's people that I know of who might even listen to this and who will probably be fuming about everything that I've said, but sale of e you know whatever um but when you zoom out on politics in the uk especially at the minute what really confuses me is that it's it's to me it's quite a clear-cut choice you've got the people who you might be able to get one in ten pieces of legislation through with or you might get three things done they're not quite the way that you wanted them but it's a step forward or there's the people that are going to put us all in internment camps because we're not rich enough and i'm like i'm like hello like 
I understand what you're saying and I understand it's not good enough, but we're in a really broken system and the only way to reform that system is either really scary things that we shouldn't do, especially after a pandemic and during the like very tenuous situation that we're in, or work with the system. And it's like, do you know what it comes back to? It comes back to like the EU and all of that. There were problems with the EU. It wasn't perfect. There were some things mm. that they did that fucked me off because I'm not stupid and I looked and was like, well, I don't like that. Well, because it's a broad but, church as well. Like it's got so many, it's not like, you know, factions, it's countries. And within those countries, there's provinces and counties and different people with different, like you're going to get arguments and debate. There's never going to be a good solution that's going to tick everyone's box. So clearly, like you could, you could see from miles away that there were going to be issues with the EU that would fuck off certain people like not just in these other countries, but in England, in the UK, it, like it's, it's obviously there were going to be pro problems. Yeah. Like I, I, whenever I talk to you or Tan or, or whoever about this, I'm like, nobody ever represents the European union as some sort of perfect utopia. Uh, but at least we had a seat at the table, right? The, the thing for me is what we did with the EU reminds me of like, not liking the music in a club. So you go outside and try and shout at the DJ through the back wall. It's, not, they don't give a shit. They're still in there playing the music. Everyone's having fun. And you're outside being a miserable cunt and you get nothing that you want. Mm. That's what we've done to ourselves and we're out in the rain. And to me, I can see the same thing happening with our electoral stuff. We need change and we aren't, no one's going to get all the changes that they want. And the thing for me is that we should be coming at it as a how do we come together to fix things, not a how do I override other people's ideas. And both of the sides, the factions of the left are guilty of this. And to me, what we should be doing is working together to figure out on compromises on how we can work. But also realistically, we need to just fucking listen to each other about what the end goal is. Like, well, why do you want to implement that very radical change to schooling, like taxation, whatever? Why? If someone comes up with a bunch of bollocks, then absolutely be like, uh, you can fuck right off. But mm. like, is the system that we've been in for this long, is it working particularly well for anyone? Is it like, are you, are you getting what you want? Because I'm certainly not. And I'm just a bog standard person living on a bog standard wage in a bog standard place in a bog standard city. Like, so I, I'm, despite the fact, like I've got factors that make me slightly different. I'm the poster boy for... I'm the average person and this isn't working for me. So maybe we should be changing things to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like if, if we had like, let's say let's go, let's pull forward like six months and, or, or a year and there's a general election and then uh, labor get in and we get like carte blanche for what we want to, what we want to roll out. I would go for like newspaper regulation top of the list if i could this is a bit radical i would wind down the houses of parliament i would like have something modern that was more like a sort of council like i i, I don't even know how you would achieve this because you would you'd probably have to actually write some sort of constitutional like up up end like a lot of law and precedents and shit and ask the queen if she was happy with it and not the queen wait king no, charles <laughs> yeah let me get the uh, Ouija board out. Yeah. Yeah. The queen would definitely not be happy with it. Uh, uh, 
but yeah i just feel like that's sort of you know this whole idea of boozy mps going into a chamber and just shouting at each other and it's so combative it's not like consultative or you know it's not debate or measured or mature it just further riles up people into this kind of tribal thing well, it's and funny it's... that you mentioned that in particular because as much as like obviously i've i've backed labor because they've been facing across from the tories in in opposition in pmqs and stuff mm. in a very real way throughout the pandemic i was watching like you know when i was working and i was recruiting doctors i was listening to their stories about how exhausted they were and how many people they saw died and like all these horrible things happening and then we've seen the cost of living crisis emerge and the fuel crisis and all of these things we've watched all of these things happen and at first I was watching PMQs and I was like, yeah, you, you hold him to scrutiny. Then eventually I realized I was watching PMQs and Boris Johnson would stand up and be like, and then sit down and Keir Starmer would come out with some pithy one liner. And eventually it got to the point where I was like, right, but this isn't like comedy roast our guys. This is politics yeah. and people are dying. Like it's funny that you're calling him out with these jokes, but this system isn't working because nothing's changing. You guys aren't holding each other to scrutiny. This is just a slanging match between a bunch of politicians and it's not helping anyone. Yeah, it needs to be like, well, to my mind, it needs to be overhauled and changed into something more closely resembling a, like a select committee, like mm -hmm. where you do actually get answers out of people. Like the most uncomfortable I've seen Boris Johnson was when he was in a select committee being grilled on things weirdly from people in his own party mm -hmm. uh, but you know he just crumbled he's just not able to do that whole tub thumping blustery fake chichillian thing you ask him a pointed question about something where he can't flip back to symbolism and flags and all the rest of it he crumbles uh and if if that's what it takes to get somebody to look as shit at their job as he inarguably was then I think that's the, you know, that exposes them. That is true scrutiny there. And I think if we can get something close to that in terms of how our decisions are made and what bills are debated and decided on, then I think we'll be all, all the richer for it. Mm. One thing that's made me laugh recently is um, all of, the, well, all of the few interviews that Liz Truss has done and people yeah. saying that these the people that are interviewing her have, have been being really harsh because we spoke briefly about the the beth rigby interview that she did today and people are saying beth rigby's biased it's, beth rigby arguably must be a tory voter i saw the way that she responded when boris johnson stepped down but regardless she's a journalist and she wasn't all she said was arguably you've not had a good start have you prime minister and liz Truss was like <laughs> and it's like no i haven't but i plan to bring it round no, it's been a terrible start, but I could definitely fix this. People just need to have faith in me because I do have a genuine plan. It's easy to do this stuff. And Liz mm. Truss even fails at that. She's not a good prime minister. She's not a good orator. Christ, yeah. I've started. Do you know what? Do you know what my secret nickname for her is? Uh, go. Your petos off cuts. I don't get it. Because <laughs> Geppetto is the guy that made Pinocchio. And oh, right. like she is a she is a failed living <laughs> doll, honestly. Like every time I watch her in an interview, yeah. there's one point in the Beth Rigby interview where Beth says, um, Do you pay a mortgage, Prime Minister? She's like, Yeah, of course I do. And then Beth Rigby's like, Well, you know, are you frightened by the idea of having to remortgage like a lot of people are because of what you and Quasi Quarting have done to the economy? Is that something you're worried about? She was like, 
what I will say is that I do pay a mortgage, and it's like that's that's not. Yeah, it's not the question. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like the the caliber is so low. Like if you go back to even, but let's take one from each. So John Major on the right, and then Tony Blair on the left. Uh, if you look at how they responded in interviews, there's, you know, they are communicative, they're clear, articulate. You know, no one, I don't think they answer every question that they're asked. I'm sure that they dodge stuff, but you got the sense that they understood the gravity of the questions that they were being asked and at least had a go at, at providing some sort of recourse or response or retort. Um, with Liz Truss and with Johnson, before i didn't get that at all i felt like these guys are fucking pretenders these guys are like i described liz trust this week in a blog as like she's like like have you have you seen the uh channel four series it's a few years old now uh, called todd margaret no but i did see your reference and i looked it up right so okay well for for the benefit of anyone that's listening so uh the increasingly poor decisions of todd margaret was a uh, a sitcom that was produced uh, starring David Cross. And it's all about, it's two seasons long. And it's about this guy who just tries to wing it and just volunteers for this huge, like head of sales role in England. And he's, he flies over from the U S and he, he's like trying to brag it, but through bragging it through trying to wing it, his life just slowly just, he just gets shitter and harder and more chaotic and worse. And, and that is Liz Truss. You know, I, she just feels like, you know, she she won a competition. She went into The Apprentice and she won the competition to be prime minister for a week. And she's trying her hand at it. She's she's really trying, but she just keeps I, fucking stuff up. You know, it's the thing for me is just whenever I see her talk, um, I saw apparently um one of the the Tory backbenchers has been slacking her off and has said the reason that she pauses for so long in interviews is because she's reaching for a line that makes her sound statesman like. Right, and, and I'm just like, but she doesn't even like. How does she think that the things that she says sound statement like? What that interview the other day when the person was like, "Yeah, so you're gonna make us borrow more and pay more on our mortgages," and she just paused, and then she was like, "I don't think anyone's saying that we shouldn't have intervened." And it's like, no, no one is saying that you shouldn't have intervened, but factually, you will be making us pay more, won't you? And she could, so you can't. She can't even say yes. No, yeah, she's she's. I don't know. I used to describe Theresa May as a like the walking embodiment of the Peter Principle, uh, and Liz, Liz Truss is kind of in the same arena. Like she's clearly overpromoted, clearly like over a, in over her head. Uh, you know, you ask her a, a pointed question in an interview, or, or or rather, you watch you know somebody like Beth Rigby or or whoever. Uh, and yeah, you're right. She sort of, there's a freeze there for a minute for two seconds while she's fucking like, what, buffering? <laughs> or like waiting for, or maybe she's got an earpiece in and somebody's like briefing it to her, you know, like a, the the guy next door, like those sort of skits. I love that guy. I'm trying to so hard to get that guy's attention, honestly. Like I'm I'm this close to standing outside his window and being like, love me. But um, <laughs> is it Michael Spicer? Yes. Yeah, that's he, the guy. He absolutely kills me. And he like Liz Truss is his bit like his marriage made in heaven. Mm. It's it's just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And I think there needs to be I think what happened was we were used to the archaic way that politics has always been. It's it's always been this way. 
And then these people realized that they could present the face of being the same old type of, you know, jovial, I'm, I'm, let's talk about tea type of politicians, whilst also bringing this new thing to the table of, holy shit, I can lie. And it was Peter Oborn who accused Boris Johnson of mainstreaming political lying, because it's not like it's never been done before. We know that Margaret Thatcher lied. We know very well, we know very well that um, Tony Blair lied. And whilst they did, it was rare. And they thought that they were doing it for the common good. They were doing it for a particular reason. Whereas this guy and this this current absolute clod, they lie because they have nowhere to go with the truth. He sat Liz down and said, you're doing really badly at the minute, aren't you? She can't go, yep, it's not looking great, is it? But I'm going to fix it because that would be a competent answer. So she's like, uh, 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 and then just nothing. And she's been doing this for a long time though as well. Cause even though I hate that guy, the guy that set up GBBs, um, there's that interview where he was like, not going very well, this new housing initiative, is it? That you've set up. And Liz Truss is like, we haven't built as many houses as we'd like to have. And he goes, how many have you built? And she goes, I don't have the figures to hand. And he goes, I do, zero. You built zero new houses. And she's just like, (laughs) and it's like, fuck me. First of all, that's bottom tier journalism. that You can ask a politician a question and they should be able to be like, yeah, here's the answer. And she just does the, I'll get back to you with that. Same thing with that fucking select committee when, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris, Chris Bryant's like, Oh, uh, how many times have you intervened uh, with a human rights issue in in you know such and such a place abroad? And she's like, I'll I'll write to you with the answer, Chris. And he's like, so you can't remember off the top of your head one time when you raised a human rights issue with a with the European bloc? And she's like, oh, yeah. And and I think was it in the same select committee where she was saying something about how like the UK is a staunch defender of human rights. And then they asked her like how many times she had stepped in. With yeah, that was, that, was was that was it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, again, similar thing. Like, I mean, how they've elected her to be there, to be the leader of the Conservative Party is a fucking mystery because there's so, like, there's a catalogue of terrible interviews and a complete, again, funny enough, complete lack of substance. She has the charisma of a fucking dead hedgehog. Like she's just she's not a leader you know like i look at i i didn't i wasn't a big rishi fan but he at least was a you know communicator he could he could speak and you got the sense that if he was on the breakfast sofa being grilled about something he would kind of i don't know take it in his stead maybe i I don't i still don't think he was a particularly good candidate but i could see him being a little bit better than liz truss um to be but fair, yeah, I've I seen pileups that have been better than Liz Truss so far. Like I've I've watched cars crash and been like, nothing like Liz Truss though. Yeah, is it? but this is the thing. Like, so with the Tories, they, I've I've said this before, but they're so sort of devoid of ideas and vision, and who they're supposed to be, like the character of the the Conservative Party in the twenty first century, that it's almost like all they can now rely on is parody and sort of cheap imitations like waxworks of people who they've already had as leaders so with boris johnson that was churchill they were like oh this guy's a bit like churchill yes okay well he sounds good and then liz truss comes up and has like apparently has voice coaching to sound more like thatcher (laughs) if you listen to like liz truss from like 10 15 years ago and then listen to liz truss now completely fucking different people (laughs) it's like liz truss 
used to be a normal sounding woman who then was a Lib Dem and then a Remainer. And now she is a Tory Brexiter who sounds like Thatcher. Like she's gone through such a fucking tran transformation, like 90 degree transformation. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what a woman. I just think that she's the embodiment of what happens if you absolutely hate yourself and project the image of the opposite of what you are. I think well, deep down she must go to bed at night and she must be like, I'm such a terrible person. Oh or, or Davy is she inspiring in that, you know, you can, you can look at somebody and go like, you can be anything. Because <laughs> if Liz Truss can go from a Remainer Lib Dem normal person to this shit, then you could be anything. It's very true. I I genuinely feel like I could go across species at this point if this woman stays in as prime minister for the next six weeks. I don't think she will. I, I've got a feeling at the moment that they will oust her. I mean, we're already seeing like, so, so the Tories are so far behind in the polls uh, that we are starting to see the coup and the mutiny kind of effect. Uh, and I think when that's happening and the Tories sort of all turn on themselves and you get these sort of, you know, the night, night of the long knives, was it when, mm. when they all backstabbed somebody and, yep. uh, and you've got heavy hitters like Gove uh, outwardly, well, seemingly sort of plotting against her, but you've also now in the last, I think 24 hours, uh, you've had a cabinet minister actually coming out against <laughs> against her policy. I forget which one it was now, but it was um, oh, what's her face? Uh, she's got a French name, Mordant, Penny Mordant. Penny Mordant, yeah. Um, and she said she doesn't agree with. Oh fuck me! What was it? Was it slashing benefits? There's a there's a bill coming. Yeah, I think it was Penny Mordant who said that she doesn't see the point in mm. uh, minimizing people's benefits neither does i think it was steve baker of all people who i assumed would be like give poor people no money jesus wants it that way like to, for, yeah. for him to have said it i was like no. and look we could we, well we should be up front as as uh uh scrutinizers of the government and deeply cynical individuals davy that uh, they may be like people like steve baker i i don't want to cast aspersions on the great character of steve baker but uh, uh, it's entirely possible that he is doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. So he's saying, I don't think it's right that we should cut these benefits, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go against the prime minister to further weaken Liz Truss, bring her down. And then he comes in, in a nice strong position in the next administration. I, I fully expect there to be, if there is another leadership campaign, which I hope there isn't, but I fully expect for there to be a, announcing the premiership of uh, Prime Minister Baker, which would make me literally want to be sick. Uh, wow. Sorry about that. Very um, that. That was. A, I think that was an allergic, definitely wasn't me being really rude. It was uh, an allergic reaction to too much Steve Baker talk, I think. I can't blame you there. <laughs> I also have a lot of tolerance for Steve Baker. <laughs> I feel I feel really bad now because you have sort of guests on that are of you know high caliber and you know academics and campaigners and activists and stuff, and then, and then I come on and talk to you, have a beer, and then burp down the, uh, the microphone. Sorry, it's guys. staying in. Don't worry. I I okay. bleeped I bleeped my own burp earlier anyway. Don't worry. But I think I don't know what's going to come next, but I haven't known. This is the thing as well. This is another point that I try and make. I really can't stand people that try and predict what's coming because even the most educated people have been so far wrong. Mm. And we're just in this period of like, it's like 
every day I wake up and it's like when I, as soon as I pick up my phone and go on the internet to like check what the news is, it literally, I might as well have the guy who used to voice the Dragon Ball Z intro. This time on Dragon Ball Z, Liz Truss says that her own plans are stupid. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> How is yeah. this real? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it feels like, so we've been through a period of immense uh, political erratic kind of like instability where there isn't actually a sensible kind of uh, trajectory that we can follow or predict uh, it seems like at the moment it's almost a dead cert that labor will get in with with at least a modest majority and the reason i say modest even though the polls are really actually quite stonking for labor right now is you just you should never underestimate the power and the oomph, for want of a better word, of the, the sort of mainstream newspaper uh, campaigning in a general election. Like, what will happen? Labour at the moment, in spite of Murdoch and Rothermere and the rest of them uh, constantly running stories against them, they've, they've created this huge lead. They're in a really strong position. But once the general election campaign starts in earnest and, and proper, you'll start seeing all these bullshit stories run out. You'll start seeing outright lies and everyone will be so distracted by their own campaigning that they won't have time to say like, no, I'm going to raise a case against this or I'm going to, you know, so, so they'll get away with it. And page one stories about absolute fucking nonsense will go by. Uh, and then if there is an apology to be printed, it will be done on, you know, page 17 standard. Um, and silly stories like the, bacon sandwich one for ed Miliband, or you know the corbyn marxist communist stuff like the, the male thing where they said this is what the first 50 days of corbyn will be like and <laughs> all that stuff like once that kicks in and the morning shows like the newspaper review stuff start like regurgitating it and it gets out into the consensus uh and people walking past the 24-hour garage walk past the Sun and the Mail and the Express, and they're all running anti-Labour stuff. That lead, I mean, look, you, you've said people who predict the future, but I, I'm quite confident that that lead will come down. Oh, it um, will. No, no doubt about it, especially because people that have been hardcore conservatives forever will question it. But we'll just have yeah, to see. It's, it's down to when they're going to call this fucking election, really, isn't it? Is that a, is that a thing like... In terms of polling, like if you phone, if you're YouGov and you phone up someone's house and say, who would you, have, who would you vote for tomorrow, Tories or Labour? And then they say Labour, like that's them protesting over the phone, right? Or over the internet, filling out the thing. But in an actual general election, are they more likely to stick with their own, like vote Tory, do you think, than yes. a poll? Yes. Um, I, if you ask me, yeah, because these people don't know how to change their minds. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. I hate it when people try and predict it because like, I think the other thing is as well, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I've had every last sliver of hope beaten out of me. Like, mm. like, it's like what a year ago when the stories first started of like, Boris Johnson, terrible prime minister. And I was like, oh, thank God, finally an end to it. And then the fucker lumbered on for nearly a year after literally breaking the law. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, as I said, like, it, I mean, it, it felt like that really dragged on. Like, I was certain about three or four times he was going to be out. But then I, I felt the same with Theresa May. I felt like, oh, well, this time she's going to be out on her ass. 
and she just kept clinging on like a fucking stubborn Veruca. <laughs> That's the best way to describe her. <laughs> I I just didn't know what was going to happen with her because to me there just seemed to be so many people who were like they seemed to like her because she the their air quotes thought she was the traditional type of Tori, and I was like, she's not. Oh, she's not the traditional type of Tori. Wait, was this Theresa May or? Charlie? Yeah, I like. I was surprised. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I obviously saw that her term was marred with misogyny, but that's because it was the Tories, and I expect it to be marred with misogyny because the Tories are misogynistic by nature, but. I also saw a lot of people who seemed to be very, yeah, she fits the mold of, you know, the like dry fucking Sith looking bastard who doesn't care about humans. So when, when she was ousted, I was like, well, could tell it was going to happen because of the way she was about Brexit, but I didn't actually think that it was going to happen this sort of brazenly. I kind of thought she might, I thought she might retire to a farm up in the North to, to go and run around with the other prime ministers yeah i i mean i think she firstly she had an impossible task and whatever shape brexit took if indeed it could take a shape was not going to be wasn't going to fit the bill for the brexiters whether mm -hmm. they were hard brexiters or soft brexiters or red white and blue brexiters or, or whatever they were always going to be unhappy with it and so she would always shoulder the blame mm -hmm. um so there was that um but the second thing i think people saw her as a sort of one nation tory uh, and as you say, you know, a sort of quote unquote proper conservative, a small C conservative. She's from Maidenhead, which is my hometown. She's been the MP there for years. Uh, and she'd been a home secretary before for about seven or eight years, which is a, a long term for like a, a cabinet position like that. So she was seen as a sort of one nation Tory in a safe pair of hands. And uh, and then she was sort of bent over the altar of Brexit by people like the ERG and dragged in every position and to some extent you can have some sympathy with her for that because her job was largely impossible um but i also think she was fucking useless like if you look at truss in an interview you look at johnson in an interview and and may in an interview like all three of them are atrocious if, even if you can call them like world leaders like can you imagine any of them like sort of the cliche is always to say can you imagine this person going toe to toe with putin um and i can't imagine any of them sitting there and genuinely putting the frighteners on putin like he's going to walk away and go oh jesus you know this person means business no like they're all fucking jokers that's no i can't imagine it i just don't think any of them are capable of it especially Theresa may she just was like like I said, she she came across as the the gender bent version of um, Lord the Lord Sidious or whatever he was called, not Lord Sidious, as the the Sith Lord from Star Wars. Yeah, like that's yeah. who she was to me. She just had that look of like do it. But when it comes to any of them, I think this is the problem with conservatives. Um, one of the funniest things I ever heard was someone being like, "Oh, it's it's all a front." Boris Johnson puts on obvious. But then they were like, he's, he's really scary in real life. You know, he's just a real, you know, he'll do what it takes. I'm like, no, his mates that he pays money might be scary. But if Boris Johnson came up to me and was like, give me your money, punk, I'd be like, I'm going to rearrange that pudding in your face for you right now. You know, like he's, he's, he's a nobody, he's a nothing. It's just that because of who he is, because of the way he's been raised, he's gotten to where he is. With Liz Truss, it's a different, by all accounts, it's a different thing. 
that that fucking speech where she's like, I rebelled. Like, you didn't rebel. You just weren't cool enough. Like, you weren't cool <laughs> enough to fit in with your parents who apparently weren't happy with the status quo. You are just like the most, oh, the establishment trickle-down economics. Like, you believe in stuff that doesn't make sense. Do you know that? Honestly, I could do an entire fucking show just on how ridiculous the premise of trickle-down economics is. Yeah. Anyone who believes in that doesn't deserve to be within a scintilla of power is all I can say. Well, this is it. Like, I, I mean, apparently they were advised not to proceed with it, that it didn't make any economic sense. Uh, but they just clung on to this idea that this one guy, Pat, Patrick Minford, Minford, isn't it? Uh, Chris Phillip. Oh, no, yes, Patrick, sorry, yes. Patrick yes. Minford's the economist, yeah. Yes, you're right, and yeah. he's the same guy that said Brexit was going to be a roaring success. Uh, and now he's saying that this was the route to go. Um, so they've clung on to him. Like, this guy's a genius. This guy gets it and none of the other, like, the London he's like that, the he's, economics don't get it. And he's like that psychic it. octopus, you know, the one that kept predicting World like, World Cup victories and then died. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yep, it's it's getting this right, but that's because it's an octopus and you're asking it to go one one of two directions. This is an economist who just continuously gets things wrong, but for some reason you guys are like on his yeah. shaft, just stop. Well, I guess he's a useful idiot, isn't he? To to some quarters of the Tory press and, and politics. He will say, No, this is all gonna work out all right. And they will say Patrick Minford is the head of blah, blah, blah. And he's our economist. And he says there's nothing to worry about. And the reason that they want him to say that shit is because he has a job title that brings with it some prestige, arguably. Uh, but it serves a, a good purpose. It serves their agenda because they want this policy rolled out because it will enrich them or, you know, provide them with greater power. So in that sense, he is the, the UK's truest useful idiot. He's like the mystic Meg of politics, let's be honest. That's, that's where I put him. Like, yeah. he, if he put on a fucking velour collar and sat in front of a fucking spangly crystal ball, I would probably take him about as seriously as I do when I see his fucking name in the Tory graph or whatever. It's fucking shit. Yeah. He's got a really smackable face, too. I know that's not... <laughs> it's not yeah, I don't know. Part. I don't know if you saw all the people coming out of the Tory conference, the footage of them after they'd been evacuated, but every single one of them... I don't know what it is. It's like a genetic thing. Every single one of them has the same pitiless eyes. It was like watching a bunch of fucking great white sharks in fucking sharpened suits walking out. I was like, every single one of them looks like they would stab me for a fiver. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's so for me, it's when they have a particular sort of squidginess of the face. They're sort of, you know, <laughs> old white guys with like gray hair, like squidgy red cheek too much whiskey too much brandy probably too much brandy in the golf club and it's just like just like piers morgan's got it like if you if you yep. punched piers morgan and i'm not advocating anyone goes out and punches him obviously but if you did would you come from both balls at the say i would i would make my pants pregnant the second my knuckles hit his face yeah i can see it yeah <laughs> I mean, I, like, I have no, I have no contact with Piers Morgan because he blocked me on Twitter because I called him <laughs> a uh, a voicemail hacking cunt. Um, but I think it is that particular look. It's just this, like, when I talk to other people who are decent, they have a sort of empathetic light in their eyes, and that's just completely absent with these people. 
Mm. And it's just bizarre to see because I like I've, I've worked in an office with a conservative and I was talking about it today. And I remember talking to her once about um, just before the pandemic, I remember talking to her about like criminality and stuff. And I was like, yes, but if people are in really economically deprived situations and they commit crime and you put them into prison, but you also give them an education and a chance to get out of that cycle, then they won't be criminals anymore. And that's good. And she, she her, her literal response was, I think uh, the world would be good if we had like, like a massacre or something. And I was like, holy shit. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the pandemic and I literally, I, I turned to her and was like, did you do something? Because it was weird <laughs> timing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny you talk about like, you know, people with the sort of empathetic light in their eyes. I follow Emily Thornbury on Instagram obvs and uh, uh, she actually was it in, on Instagram that I saw it or maybe it was a headline somewhere, but she referred, she referred to a Tory, a cabinet Tory, as or maybe it was Liz Truss referred to them as like a dead-eyed ideologue, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "That's perfect." It's like there's no emotion there. It's just you know callousness and just subscribing to ideology at all costs. It's you know, if if you guys, Emily if Thornberry. you guys, I do love Emily Thornberry and Emily Ed loves you. You really need to like get in touch with him because I feel like you should be on his podcast. Um, if you ever Thank want you. to know how <laughs> I describe Tories, there is an excellent monologue in the Jaws, uh, Jaws movie where the guy is describing the sharks that are slowly picking off all of the people from the exploded boat mm. and his entire monologue about what the pitiless eyes of great white sharks look like when they're eating human beings. Um, that's, that is pretty apt in the way that I describe Tories. <laughs> all I'll say. Yeah. Um, Ed, it's been a treasure and a pleasure to have you on. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely, lovely for you to have me on. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Everybody, as I've said, if you do want to follow more of Aid, which you should because he's awesome, although I assume that you are considering we run in the same circles, you can find him at Funk27 for his blog and his podcast is Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, which you can catch on YouTube and anywhere that you catch your podcasts, including this one. Aid, thank you you very much. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on Politically Enraged, the Lefty's Refuge. If you do want to follow me on social media so we can chat about the episodes and future upcoming information, you can follow me on Twitter, either at Political Rages or Davy Moo. You can follow me on Instagram at Politically Enraged or Davy Moo. And you can follow me on TikTok at Davy Moo. If you do want to sponsor the show on Coffee, you can just search Politically Enraged on Coffee. Join me again soon for another episode of Politically Enraged. And remember, Get politically engaged and stay politically enraged.